Hello, 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 and welcome to the Futurology Show. It's Michael Cowan here, and uh, I'm feeling very lonely in the studio. Um, because uh, I'm missing Brett and Brett. Uh, Brett, Brett Lindsay's uh, feeling a bit ill today, and he, he says he's uh, too, too weak to come in. But he's certainly going to be sharing a lot of questions coming through the WhatsApp group. So he is listening in. And Brett Sinclair actually has to go and do some work. Instead of monkeying around, he's actually at the office doing something productive, which I'm sure makes his wife a lot happier. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really excited about today's show. I mean, I, I really am quite excited about most of our shows. But today, uh, we've got a very interesting topic that uh, will be coming through. Um, we're going to be talking about farming. Now, this is the Futurology Show, and, 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 and farming is a very interesting topic because if we think about uh, – we talk about the economy. We're now living in the digital economy and, and the knowledge economy, and we've evolved from the idea of, of an economy that was uh, – Agriculture, where most people were employed in, and we've kind of forgotten about agriculture. Yet the very thing that we talk about around dinner tables, about the shiny new technology and the future and the digital and what have you, is supported by the very thing that we've forgotten about, food. And, and food is a very important issue. As, as, a, as it sits in the base of Maslow's hierarchy, it's a really, really important future sustainability issue and, and and it's a very very big issue and and um you know when we look at uh, most wars they they start by the lack of food and there was a huge concern around the social grants crisis and and the fundamental issue was people wouldn't have money to buy food and 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 it's a really really big issue and I, i've got a very interesting guest guest coming into the the show today uh Stephen Wormold uh, and i'll introduce Stephen now and he runs a fascinating program he he's a farmer um which makes this a very interesting conversation um but but he runs a very very interesting program and and i i had a meeting with Stephen a couple of weeks ago around some of the social impact stuff we were looking at and he took me through how he's using big data to solve farming issues. And, and this is a really exciting proposition. I almost fell off my chair and it's, it's not often I get completely sidetracked and surprised. And it is a very important issue. And there are two sides to the farming world that we need to look at. One is sustainability and, 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 you know, a couple of guys who've got a couple of hectares and how do they manage that, the, the crop? And then you've also got the big industrialization. I'll, I'll let Stephen get into more of the details, but certainly if we look at, um, what McKinsey's is saying is about a third of our food produced is lost or wasted every year. And, and that's about $940 billion in, in terms of economic unproductivity and, and loss to the economy and, and this huge inefficiency that is coming through farming and the fact that we can produce enough food for everyone in the world and we're not able to do it, um, this makes it a very, very interesting topic. But just a bit of in, uh, an introduction to, to Stephen before I actually bring him on. He's, he's Skyping in from Cape Town. Um, he he's, has a BSc in horticulture and agriculture, and he's actually a Zimbo. Um, and and he, he, he went to the Wharton Business School, so, so it sounds very interesting, but he's a fourth-generation Zimbabwe farmer with a whole host of, of entrepreneurial experience and, and agribuilding experience but uh steven are you in there hi can you hear me all right down there in cape town absolutely loud and clear fantastic well steven thank you so much to thanks for joining us on the show I, I, i'm really looking forward to spending the next hour chatting to you um because this is a really really powerful and interesting topic and and Perhaps uh, as we get into this, can, can you give us a bit of an understanding of, of who you are and, and the company that you run? It's called the Better Trading Company. But perhaps if you can just start with who you are and, and, and how you got to where you actually are now. Yes, Michael. Thank you very, very much. It's a great pleasure to be on the show. 
Um, I think I've always been involved in, in agriculture in Zimbabwe and the region. And um, I think the, the story of the platform started in quite a strange way, probably 10 or 11 years ago. Okay. Stephen, are you there? Agents for the Shell Foundation. Yeah, I, I'm here. Okay, sorry. I thought I lost you there for a second. Yeah. No, no not at all. We, we were working with the Shell Foundation from London, looking at connecting African um, agri-entrepreneurs to markets, uh, global markets. And one of the opportunities that arose was to produce chilies in Zimbabwe for Tabasco. Yeah. I'm sure many of them, many of the listeners have, have had Tabasco. So in those little red and green bottles sitting on your on, on your restaurant table or kitchen table, a lot of those chilies comes um, from Zimbabwe. Okay. So we started on this uh, with in 2007 with 220 farmers supplying Tabasco. And uh, I, once again, I don't have a digital technical background. So really the platform – um, called Harvest Plus, which I think we'll discuss coming yes. in, in the future, is really out of a necessity. It was a practical necessity that allowed us to manage uh, small-scale farmers in Africa, uh, in Zimbabwe, in um, dispersed geographical locations. Okay. Where the key data issue comes in. How do you how do you manage farmers across a wide area in Africa and rural areas um, effectively and efficiently and affordably without using data? So we focused on the importance of the small-scale farming um, in Zimbabwe. And I'm very happy to say that um, now the, the businesses in Zimbabwe, we supply Nando's in South Africa. A lot of your chili comes yeah. chili comes from us and also Tabasco. I think we've got around three and a half to 4,000 farmers now, um, small-scale farmers in Zimbabwe. That was really the start of understanding why data was so important, Michael. Okay, so, so uh, can you tell us how you actually have evolved into this platform and, and what are you actually doing with these farmers? Because it's, uh, it's Zimbabwe and, and northern Mozambique. You, you're not operating in South Africa, hey? No, we're not in South Africa at the moment. We've spent the last four and a half, five years in Mozambique and Malawi and Zimbabwe. Okay. And we're hoping to do something very, very, very soon in South Africa. But we've really been debugging it um, in, in, in the most remote rural areas. Um, and it's been a fascinating journey, and, and, and perhaps we can get to, to, to why we created the platform and became so aware of the need for the digital age and data, the importance of data. No, please. I, I mean, jump straight into the why. Uh, I, I'm absolutely fascinated. And I mean, I, I've had the, the benefit of actually physically seeing the, the product in action, um, you know, so it's very easy for me to contextualize this. But, but can you give us the background to the why? Certainly. Um, just to take you back, we, we needed a system to manage the farmers as we grew. Um, and that's right from, from providing them with uh, chili, chili seedlings and fertilizers and chemicals to registering the farmers, the whole admin process, the supply chain, right up to the marketing. We, we actually process the chilies. We grind them on site and we send them directly to McElhenney in southern United States. Okay. It, it's quite a process, and, and with the advent of mobile technology and platforms, we were able to, to really start a mobile phone app, which captures all of the essential information on the farmers. And you can do that in a really remote area with a simple um, input sheet. And as your field technician or your officer, field officer goes back towards the village or towards the cell phone tower, contacts, everything is automatically uploaded onto a central database. So that's where it all starts, Michael. Okay. With, cell phone app. Do, do, do you need a smartphone then for this, or, or, or can you do this through a feature phone? Um, it's preferable for smartphone. We've evolved to, use, to using um, smartphones. 
basically because we've captured more and more, in, more and more information, and 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 it's become more and more valuable. But you can you can make it actually very very simple, very okay. basic. Okay, because I, I mean, I'm thinking of the of the guy. I mean, this this is about how do we get farming or sustenance farming, um, you know, in in a, in a very remote rural area. How, how do you manage that? Because I mean, do, do these can these guys afford smartphones at, at the very least? Because this is always the first question, you know, when we're looking at these big campaigns: are we feature phone or are we smartphone? So I think what's important is the people interacting with the farmers. So the people who provide the support to the farmers have the smartphone. They're the people that capture the data, and they're really the first line of data capture. It's where okay. it all happens, Michael. From there, it gets increasingly layered up in complexity and analytics. Going into a digital platform, uh, which is for managing smallholder farmers and supply chains, which we've called Harvest Plus, and that's the platform that we've arrived at four and a half years later. Just to just to give the listeners some idea, um, four and a half years ago, we partnered with a really interesting, really smart um Dutch-based company in Rotterdam called Kadana Development. They are okay. the CS development arm of Kadana Financial Services. And these guys, Michael, took a very interesting approach by using um, financial instruments to make a difference in developing countries. So for example, they started TCX Foreign Currency Derivative Fund. Yeah. Where they hedge foreign currencies so that developing nations can go ahead, for example, with large dams or power projects without the risk of having a currency devaluing. Okay. So they wanted to make an impact on food. How do we how do we change how do we change developing economies? Bearing in mind the importance of small scale farming, Michael, um, is that anywhere between forty and seventy five percent of GDP in a country is agribusiness related. So it's really at the heart of a lot of developing countries and particularly Africa. It's small scale farmer driven. It's where the production is going to come from, but it's also about jobs, it's also about the economy. Also about food security, which is what the point that you opened with, and that gives political stability, yeah. gives geographical stability, and economic stability. So that's how important, really, the issue we're talking about is at a at a food level, production level for small scale farmers in Africa. Michael, I mean that number is huge. I mean, uh, just at the very minimum, forty percent of of your GDP is 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 really subsistence farming. In in the more developed worlds, like uh, or, or countries, I should say. I mean, we only have one world. At, at the rate we're going with our climate change and the disasters, we might blow it up. But um, in, in in the Americas and the Europe's, uh, uh, what what kind of percentage is coming from small scale, or is it is it really big industrial kind of farming? It's pretty much all industrial, and that that's the, a really good, interesting point you raise because the dichotomy between small scale farming and developing countries. And super data useful for platforms for commercial agriculture. Yeah. They, they're going in absolutely opposite directions. So on the commercial side, there's also the race, the global race is on to own agribusiness data driven platforms. And that's really about um, production, increasing food production, increasing efficiencies, um, and feeding the world. It's all about being driven by farming economics. Yeah. On the small farming side in remote areas, it's all about the absence of data. So for example, in northern Mozambique, where we've been helping farmers, there are absolutely no records, Michael. Yeah. There are no rainfall records, no weather records, no soil records, no data of what can be grown there. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting where we start with just the simple basics of collecting um, information from a satellite that's been sitting above Africa for the last 36 years, taking hourly information. We collect that sort of information and start to layer up quite a rich environment on the platform to actually look at where these guys are farming and how we can help them. How do we improve? Yes. How do we improve? How do we make sure they reach food security? 
And how do we how do we provide risk mitigation? How do we decrease the risks that these guys have faced? Climatic risks, market risks, growing risks. Okay, because so so you've really got two elements to this. One, you've got the ability to manage the farmer through data, and you've got a community um, as as your initial point into the farming communities. And if the farmer has the right capacity, can directly interact with you. But then you've also got the ability to take what they're producing and 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 uh, really collate or collect all that information uh, or that that product into a central point and then supply it off to a Nando's or or a Tabasco kind of company. Won't you just give us an understanding of how you support these these farmers through through data? Because it's it's absolutely fascinating to me, and I, and and I do want to get into the world of of the, the the dichotomy between the two worlds. And I think for today, it's it's really about the rural farmer. And I, I want to come back to the the large industrial farming because you you search on the internet and there's a lot of activity happening around that. But this world of of industrial or sustainability farming, not, nothing's really been seen. Or because I I did quite a bit of research looking for this stuff just to try and understand the level of educational knowledge that is happening, and there really is not very much. Won't you take us through a, a, a very typical kind of, of case study that on, on how you support a, a sustainable farmer, be it in, in, in the northern um, Mozambique where no one can actually get to or, or, or Zimbabwe where the, the infrastructure is collapsing and, and we've got political chaos. How do you support these guys? Because, uh, I mean, this is just paramount to, to Africa's future. That's correct, Michael. And I think... Um if you read the Global Gap reports, they, they say that by 2030, Africa at the current production levels will, be, will only be producing anywhere between 13 and 24% of its requirement for food. Uh, so no, <laughs> your earlier point about sitting around the table and, and walking into leading food retailers, yeah, always expecting stuff to be on the shelves, it's not always going to be like that uh, and unless, unless there's some dramatic – um, disruptive technologies and, and data-driven technologies coming in. And I think that's what we're really passionate about um, yeah. on our developments and is really looking at disruptive technologies um, that are coming in to help these guys in rural areas. So as a case study, for example, we work with farmer groups. We will have a, a field technician or, or a representative that will go out with a smartphone, cell phone application, yeah. and go to these farmers and capture, first of all, their GPS location. So, Michael, yeah. if you just bear with me, it sounds very simple, but when you understand in the absence of no data, even the simplest things can become so important and so powerful. So the guy goes out there on a motorbike, bicycle, uh, pickup, whatever means, and he collects the data on a pre-prepared cell phone app, which collects the GPS coordinates of the farmer. It's so important because once we've got that in the farmer's name and, for example, an ID number, okay. we know where the farmer is. So we can put them on a GIS-based environment, which yes. is what our drives our And once we know that, we can we can then download, for example, 36 years of, of climatic data, of soil conditions, of mm. growing conditions. And we use that um, to look at what environment he's growing in. And it's, it's pretty important when you're in, in quite remote areas because you've got some very, very smart data coming out of, of the satellites and, and, and coming out of our partners that can really help us understand what his challenges are. And from there, we look at, at, at what crops should he or she be growing. Are they growing the right varieties? I mean, for example, we, we had a case in Malawi where we looked at, at 35, 36 years of data and saw that in this particular area, they were growing the wrong variety of maize. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The long season maize variety took 120 days. If you looked at 35 years of records, 
you probably only got between a 90 and 100 day growing season. So yeah. every seven or every seven or eight of 10 years, the farmer failed, which meant food insecurity. And I reckon that's really at the at the hub of subsistence agriculture. These guys get knocked back on a bad season with a drought like last year. And it takes them back. They can't afford proper inputs for the next year. That's really the cycle of subsistence agriculture that we're trying to help these guys break out of and reach food security. So once we know the, once we've collected the, app, the the data on the app, it's loaded up onto our platform, which is called Harvest Plus. And then we start to interact along the entire supply chain. So we can interact with the farmer on on, on SMS and WhatsApp communications, for example, simple things like. Um, we can get a forecast on the start of the rainy season. We can send SMS yeah. and WhatsApp messages. Guys, have you, have you prepared your fields? Have you got your seed? Have you got the right inputs? Um, be ready to plant within the next 10 to 14 days. So just um, helping them with technical information, with advice, it's really, really important. And making sure they've got the right inputs is a really good start. Absolutely. And, and in fact, that advice you, you're giving is actually table sticker, sticks advice here. I mean, this is baseline. And if you don't even have that, you're screwed. Correct. Yeah, no, it's, it's an uphill battle. I mean, I think we've all driven through rural areas in Africa, and, and you can see it's really not really not easy. And I mean, the other social, the other social, uh, socio-economic thing that's happening, Michael, um, which is worth mentioning, is the the rural uh, urban drift, where, where young people in the rural areas do not want to stay there anymore, and they're all drifting into the towns and the cities because it, it's 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 a hard life Very farming much. in the rural areas. Yeah, thing, which is causing a whole lot of other uh, other issues as well. You know, which is Probably a topic for another another day's discussion, but just 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 to make you aware that it, that it's not an isolated farming business. You know, it has it has an impact on the entire country and society. No, absolutely, and 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 I mean, Stephen, what what you're talking about here is really enabling a broader supply chain using, at the very least, um, technology or data that is pretty available to 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 most Western countries or or most digitally savvy uh, individuals. How much of a barrier have you, because you mentioned this briefly, how much of a barrier have you found this, A, at a farmer level, and B, at, at a more um, political kind of level ac- across these countries? Um, I think, I think Stephen, we've been really welcomed um, because of people, farming and, 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 and agricultural development and food production in Africa is, is the top of, top of most political agendas. Yeah. And it really, it really is so important for people and uh, politicians and, and economists and business people are really aware of of the role that small-scale farming is going to play in the future in, in food production. And um, people are wanting success stories. They're wanting to make progress. And I think that's what we're hoping to demonstrate on the platform because what, once we've got the data and, and we're helping the farmer grow, we then, we then start to produce things all data-driven again, Michael, like yeah. credit records. Like crop production, you know, most of these farmers can't get loans because they're not registered and they don't have a credit record and there's no record of their production. So why would a banker lend them money, you know? So I think um, um, Africa is one of the most uh, – agriculture, we mentioned how important it is for the economy. It's also one of the most underfunded sectors, which is a kind of a conundrum because yeah. it, it plays an important role, but, but there's no funding going into it. So we also try through the platform to bridge the funding issue for them, to start getting – Finance and credit flowing to these small-scale farmers, which is really, really important. Uh, Stephen, if if we look at a, at a country like Zimbabwe, it, it, the farming community, because it, it's known as the breadbasket of Africa, how, how has your initiative made an impact in, in a country like Zimbabwe? Because it really is the rock bottom. 
Well, I, I think, Michael, what's, re- what's very, very interesting is that um, the, the farmers that we work with, um, for example, we only allow them to grow a quarter to a third of their, their entire field for cash crops. The rest we insist they keep for food. So okay. food, security, food security for us is really, really important. But having a cash crop like chilies or, or, or other crops is also very important because, you know, you need money for schools and clinics yes. and, and health and things. So the cash and into the into the economy, we, we we can pay them with a mobile with a mobile sort of impressor type application um, on a weekly on a weekly basis on a two weekly basis, and that that sort of money that's coming in is is really really important to rural economies because they don't have access unless one of the family members is working in the city to cash coming in. Yeah. So it it has a dramatic impact on the local communities as well. Um, and so some, I mean, some of our, some of our farmers have earned considerable amounts of, of, of money, uh, in US dollars, uh, sort of five, six times what they would normally earn in a year, just, just from the cash crop. So it's, it's, that money is then sp- is spent in the local economies and it's, it's the economic multiplier that I think really drives, really drives, um, development. And I think in Zimbabwe, any kind of economic activity, with money is, is so vitally important as it is anywhere in Africa. No, absolutely. And just in terms of, of your personal story to actually get this off the ground, you've got financial partners in, 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 um, in Europe. Uh, how difficult has it been or has this kind of been an evolution? Because you know, you know what? All these entrepreneurs out there are quite honest about things. They kind of say, yeah, I fell into these things and I didn't quite work this out and plan this way. And it suddenly worked out the way it should work out. How, how difficult has it been for you guys to, to build these kind of solutions to get to this point? Michael, that's a great question. And, and you know, with great honesty and hilarity, <laughs> um, I certainly, all I wanted to do was to, to grow some chilies and look after small-scale farmers. I didn't want a platform, um, and I certainly wanted, didn't want a business that's driven by data. <laughs> but we ended up here four and a half years later, and if, I think if, if my partner Frank and I understood how hard it was going to be, we would have stopped a long, long time ago. Oh, really? What, what were some of the challenges that you, you had to get through to get here? I guess we started off looking at crop insurance, uh, which yeah. was to provide to provide satellite-based crop insurance uh, for farmers uh, over large areas. And again, how do you scale it uh, in Africa? How do you make it affordable uh, and how can you manage it? And the only way to do that is through, through data, Michael. And yeah, 100%. And data. So we started off there and we quickly realized that, that um, that's not going to change people. That's not going to add to productivity. It's not going to add to incomes and food security. So four and a half years later, we ended up with a great technical partner in Rotterdam, Okay. And, and, and with Kadana, Kadana development with the platform, uh, which I demonstrated to you, which is really, really exciting. And it's been achieved, uh, Michael, because I think people, it's a, it's a, you could describe the platform as a confluencing platform where we're agnostic to data. We pull in data from all yes. kinds of different sources, all kinds of different places. And, and we make it a very rich environment where right from the farmer, through to the suppliers, the input suppliers, to the bankers, to the crop insurance, to the supply chain people, the storage people, the transport people, and then the environmental and social people. We link those all in a data-based, data-driven platform that connects everybody. And I think the connectivity and the ability to interact on a platform, Michael, is something that we needed on a small-scale level for yeah. our business. But now we, we've ended up with a platform that, that, that you know, we've had 70,000, 80,000 farmers on. So. It's been a really, really interesting ride, um, and, and, and certainly a huge amount of 
great humility, a huge amount learnt along the way as well. No, I, I, I'm sure, and, and, and it's, for me, it's especially rewarding to talk to someone who's actually doing something about what we talk about every week, because this world is changing. It's data, it's algorithms, it's artificial intelligence, it's blockchains, it's all of these really cool things. But it's great to talk to someone who's actually doing something um, and just getting on and doing shit, which is fantastic. But now, just in terms of, of the actual data that you've got there, have you looked at using artificial intelligence, or is, is that just a, a step beyond where you even are at this point? Because, I mean, the ability to start predicting, you've got 70, 80,000 farmers in there. You know, if we start looking at sustainability around farming, you've got algorithms and artificial intelligence and machine learning that can be applied to that. Uh, are you looking at that kind of thing, or is that really kind of the fifth bounce of the ball at this stage? Not at all. Not at all, uh, Michael. It's certainly not the fifth bounce of the ball. Um, Kodana, Kodana Developments are financially based uh, a group, and so data for them is critical to their business. And uh, my partner is, a, is, is an econometrics-based background. So yes. if, you, if you're going to look at data mining, which is where the real value lies, I mean, you know, that's why the commercial farming guys are data-driven, because who, who owns the data will own, will own the future. Yeah. As simple as that. Simple in commercial agriculture, it's simple. So why not? Why not on a small scale level? And I think it's because it's a little bit un, more unsexy. It's not as flash, and there's probably not as much money as involved as, as as big, you know, big kind of global commercial agriculture. So, but to answer your question, data mining and understanding the underlying trends and patterns and underlying reasons for success and failure are absolutely critical, because that's then manifested on an advice level. It's manifested on a strategy level. Um, it's manifested on, 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 on how you make improvements, you know. Yeah. And I think the, the importance of using artificial intelligence and data mining tools is you can see things that you can't, that are not obvious if, if you're walking around the field, that are not obvious if you're driving through a region, Michael. Yeah. So it becomes incredibly powerful. It becomes an incredibly powerful tool to pick up patterns, trends, reasons for failures. And, and, and that's, that's why that, that data is, 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 is so valuable. It really is super valuable. No, absolutely. And I, I've seen that data. And just if we look at the pH balance of the soil, um, you can actually visually see it. You've got 36 years of data. It's very easy for us to look at how that soil needs to get managed, what needs to be planted and when. Are you finding with the farmers that you're working with that the quality of their soil and their ability to produce is improving? Because one side of it is certainly sustainability. But I, I just think we've got a huge amount of land that can become a lot more productive. Surely we should be a lot more wise about this. Michael, I think it's, 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 the wisdom lies in, in understanding what the small-scale farmer needs. And they're very simple things. You know, um, what, what we've seen over the last four and a half years is there's absolutely no doubt that small-scale farmers are, can be incredibly productive. You know, and and it's, not, it's not only commercial agriculture that, that, that's important. Um, Africa's future in a lot around the small-scale farming um, ability to produce, and they can if they're given a couple of a couple of simple things, and that's understanding what the growing conditions and the climatic conditions yeah. are of where, they are. giving them the right variety. I mean, don't get a guy to grow a commercial uh, maize variety in the middle of nowhere with variable rainfall and not enough fertilizer. It doesn't work, Michael. Yeah, hundred so percent. The guys are robust, a robust variety. I mean, plant breeding is is really interesting. I've got friends who, who breed maize that are they can fix nitrogen from the air into the soil to help fertilize the, the maize, drought tolerance into 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 maize plants. This is not GMO; it's just simple proper breeding. Yeah. So the advancements on on maize varieties, you can start to to cobble this all together, 
give the guys in the rural areas the proper varieties with the proper crops. Groundnuts, for example, are also a fantastic crop to grow. And then give them the, the right amount of fertilizer and the, and the right amount of advice. And they'll produce. Given the, given the rainfall, given the irrigation scheme they're on, these guys can really, really produce. Yeah. But there's a few simple things that, that just need to be in place. If the guy hasn't got decent seed and decent fertilizer, it's really, really tough, Michael. And that, you know, we've seen that all over African countries that we're working in. No, absolutely. Just on that point, because what, I, what I'm absolutely loving about what you're saying to me is this is not rocket science. It's just simple solutions. Um, it's, it's bringing a, a, a kind of an educational knowledge around farming, bringing data and helping people who can actually do this. Um, but uh, in terms of the, the big industrial organizations, how, what, what is happening on that side of it? Because, you know, looking at the research here, you've got your farm bots, you've got sensors all around farms. The farmer now looks like he's running a war room. <laughs> he's got 20 screens and you can see what's happening anywhere on his farm. What, what is actually happening on, 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 the, on the big industrial scale that is quite fundamentally different to you? As you say, it's a dichotomy. What, what is happening in that side of it? I mean, it seems to be a lot more complex and a lot more expensive to, be, uh, to implement. It, it is, Michael, and you're absolutely right. And it's being driven by, by global trends and global economics. It's about production and it's about production efficiencies. And it's really driving global agriculture. You know, you've got to get better and get bigger and more yeah. efficient. And so how do you do that? You need, you need uh, really highly computerized planting equipment, tractors that, that map your soils, variable planters that can, can distribute seed and fertilizer according to your soil maps, and, and, harvesting, and, and harvesters that can actually analyze as you're going over GPS-based each meter of your ground, each meter of your field, to see exactly how differently you should treat it. And it's, it's efficiencies, it's understanding on a small-scale level how you make those changes and to get to get the production to get the quality yeah and and that's where, that's where data is playing an increasingly role and it's it 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 is you know farming is no longer sitting on the stoop in the rocking chair <laughs> the rocking. <laughs> that, that would be nice so. yeah it's it's a really highly highly technical the guys that are going to survive going forward and you'll see this there's a drop off there, you know there's an attrition rate amongst commercial farmers if you can't evolve and you can't produce and you're not efficient and, and it's not affordable, you will drop off. You'll get bought up or you'll, or you'll go off the land, Michael. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, at a, it's at a pretty fierce pace of, 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 of development at the moment, and, and, and it's global. It's not, it's, not, it's not isolated only to America, only to Europe. It is yeah. a global phenomenon in commercial agriculture. Is, is there a risk to that? Because what's actually happening here is the automation, big data, um, and this incredible technology that, that, that is becoming available is, is effectively centralizing farming and turning it into big, big business. Is there a danger here? Because, I mean, if I just – well, I'll come back to the seed issue just now because I want to come back to how there's, there's a centralization. But is, are we running a risk of, of a few small players managing and controlling our, our food supply? Um, Michael, yeah, I'm, I'm not a conspiracist theorist, uh, although it would be an incredibly interesting topic for, for farming and the futurology of this show. But I'm not, I'm not going to scribble outside the lines on this one. Um, <laughs> it, is, it, it is the trend, though. I mean, it is the trend. Yeah. Um, what, what is interesting and, and perhaps a little bit sinister is it's been a lot of the huge platforms, uh, commercial data platforms in agriculture, are being bought up by suppliers, by input suppliers. So large okay. chemical companies, large uh, machinery companies, um, 
yeah, large input suppliers, banks, finance people, they, they, they understood probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago where agriculture, commercial agriculture was going. And they've got these platforms that, that really, if you own the data stream coming out of, uh, out of commercial agriculture, you will own the future. Yeah. You will own technologies around farming. So, so it is, it is, I think, I think it's a very interesting and very wide uh, topic and discussion that you've raised here. But, um, the global race is on for, for domination of, of data and, and commercial farming. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting point, actually, because it, it's not just limited to farming. Um, and it is easy to get caught up into the conspiracy side of these things. But, um, you, you know, the race, I mean, what, what makes Facebook powerful is its ability to manage data. They've closed down their API, so you can't access this huge volume of data, and they're commercializing what is effectively other people's data. Um, and, and some people will see this as an, an extreme evil, and some people will see it as a, as a very cool issue. Um, and, and I think both are right and both are wrong. Um, but it does. Uh, are we, are we, do we potentially have a risk around food around this issue? Or, or, or do you see – because the, the, our, our populations are increasing. Do, do you see a problem with this at all? Without scribbling out of the lines yet, Stephen, I don't want to go down the wrong road here. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's no problem, Michael. Um, I, I, think, I think if you look at, at the global trends um, – there are countries that are overproducing and, and have the ability to supply food, food security to, to countries that are not producing. And I guess there is always an, an element of power and political control based yeah. on that. Um, you know, a lot of the countries we work in uh, are net importers of food. Quite a few countries we work in don't produce enough, uh, which, which, which if you look at growing populations and young populations, 40, 50 plus percent of the population under the age of 20 18, uh, we're consuming more and more. And yeah. as we move up on the LSM classes, we, we also consuming different products and, and more, 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 um, um, more manufactured products. And okay. it's changing, it's changing the way, it's changing the way we behave. Um, so I, I think for a country to be a net importer of food, it affects your balance of payments. It affects how you finance that food coming in and it, effect, it affects the, the price of the food. Yeah. So it's a it's it's farming is not just farming. It, it's you know the the thing to really grasp is that it it, it affects the entire society and it affects the entire economy. It probably has a political impact as well. I mean, Massive. some of the some of the satellite technology now in, in Europe they can pick up um, ahead of time and predict potato yields or wheat yields within a three percent accuracy. Oh, uh, Mike. So it's you know that data if you look at it for for brokers. For food security, yeah. used for pricing. You, you can imagine where data is driving agriculture. It, it's it's such a such an important uh, such an important thing. I, I find it quite exciting, and and you know there is this idea of of a resource based economy. And what what you're really saying is with this data, we we can predetermine what we need, where we need, how we need, so that we can actually get a very baseline for, 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 for every human being and effectively feed every human being. I mean, what we have spoken about in the past, and it's a contentious issue, is this idea of uni- universal basic income. Um, and and what, what you're saying around our ability to manage data and, and, and understand where the food needs to be, when it will be available, and, and how we manage the supply chains around that, it, it, it feeds into that thought process about what is potentially our future 
given the, the depth of automation, given the depth of change that is coming around the future of work, etc. So there, there's a huge economic impact as well on this. Um, so I think it's a, it's a, it's a very powerful illustration of how data gets used. And I, I just, I think we're scratching the surface on this, Stephen, because I think the implications of what food is, um, is it's not sexy. And we don't talk enough about the potential of this. Just in terms of this, the impact of, of what you're doing with big data and the effect on climate change, because this is a big issue. I mean, forget Trump denying climate change. This is a real issue that we are all facing, and we're sitting at 11.59 here, um, you know, one minute to 12 around climate change. There's some serious issues going on here. How, how effective can what, what you do impact on, on, on climate change? Um, Michael, it's, it's a very good question. I think, first of all, you know, without any historical data, um, it's very difficult to look at or understanding changes that are happening now. And that's a very simple thing that I've said. But with this 35, 36 years that we've got, it, it, you can definitely pick up trends. Yeah. Uh, and also, we can then look at the last couple of seasons and, and have those, are those trends starting to change? Um, is there less rainfall? Is there? We certainly we're seeing possibility in Malawi of, of rain starting later and and finishing earlier. Okay. You know, we're kind of starting to see that kind of stuff happen. Um, farmers will tell you themselves. It, it's not the rain's not like it used to be. You know, they they they, they will tell you themselves. Yeah. Um, I think the importance of data is when you can see it's likely in certain areas to only have a 90 day growing season. Change the variety they're growing. Change the advice you're giving the farmer. Yeah. Give him or her a chance of producing three or four tons, but at least there's food security in the area. Absolutely. And those simple things are, are, are critical, you know. Okay. Um, the other thing is there's a lot of guys doing really good work um, to mitigate climate, the effects of climate change, um, conservation farming. So, you know, guys who are training small-scale farmers and, and rural farmers in conservation methods of okay. compost of composting, of, of, of um, drainage control, um, of mulching, um, and it's, it's starting to make a difference as well. It's starting to repair soils. It's starting to empower farmers to deal with climate changes uh, on, on a very basic level. You know, they, they can't pick up their farm and move. No, you know, they, 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 they can't. Are, they are where they are. So it's a, it's a very important question that you raise. So, so just another really important question, I might be a bit controversial, is when's it going to rain in Cape Town, man? Uh, it's got to rain a lot in less than 90 days because if you believe yeah. what, if you believe what's written in the newspapers, I, I think we probably, I don't know, 88, 89 di- days of water left. Yeah. And, and does your <laughs> date to say it's going to rain down there, man? Uh, I've, I've only got a computer. I haven't got a crystal ball. <laughs> okay. You're not scratching out of that one too, are you? Definitely, or wriggled out of. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we'll Michael, uh, Michael, what I just what I wanted to raise with you, yeah. um, just you know, talking about about where things are going and, and food in the future. You know, we we had a very interesting opportunity. Um, I think it was last week to to meet with very large uh, a very large food group, Unilever, in, yes. in a hotel, Johannesburg, and these guys are, are obviously um, looking to make a difference, a corporate difference. And there's many of them. It's not only the company that I mentioned. Yeah. Many of the corporates looking to make a real difference um, in, in, in society and, 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 and in the rural areas. But they're also looking to, to secure production. Yep. They're also looking to secure production from small-scale farming, and why not, you know? And uh, I think what, you know, one, of the, one of the benefits we offer with the platform is 
how do how do companies like Unilever, Nestle, SAB, Miller, etc., how do they connect with the guy in in Northwest uh, Province in South Africa? How do they connect with the small scale farmer in KwaZulu Natal yeah. or Tanzania or Malawi? And, and likewise, how does that farmer ever connect with the marketplace? So I think one of, one of the main drivers in the platform is to actually connect and 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 connect uh, large corporates who are looking for 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 pro- product with with small scale farmers and farming groups. And with data and with the digital age, the most important thing uh, for, for these guys, one of it is is the transparency, traceability, and accountability. Because you're talking food. Yeah. So if you can track where where that product comes from, you can account for how it was grown, how it was handled, how it was transported, and the quality. It's a really powerful thing. It seems like a, a simple thing, and we take it for granted. But when you when you empowering small scale guys and guys in rural areas to be able to provide that sort of traceability, transparency and accountability to enable them to sell to 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 marketplaces. It's 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 a huge opportunity, Michael. And it's again data driven, you know? No, and absolutely. And, and and I think it's also where the world's moving to. Certainly if we look at the the culture of what business is and what consumers are actually demanding from the brands that actually that, that they're buying. They they want to see this 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 value. They want to see the contribution back because you know what? It's not about putting a a, a, a trolley outside the spa and and putting a tin of baked beans in there as an example. You want to know that the food, uh, the, the entire process and the chain uh, is is working properly. And in fact, on the, on that point, and and I know we had a very brief chat about it in the past. What what do you see the role of blockchain on this? I mean, is is it something that you guys are actively looking at? Um, and do you see it as a very constructive role uh, within your platform? We certainly do, Michael. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but it actually came up very interestingly in a discussion with our technical partners around the issue of land ownership and um, the ability for small-scale farmers to identify their fields uh, and blockchain it. So it's basically there um, in a secure environment yes. where you would record the ownership of that farmer's land in a certain rural area. Because uh, at the moment, it's all passed down from the chief, yes. it's passed down from fam- family. And with uh, political disruptions, wars, famines, um, natural disasters, people moving on the land, off the land, um, it's not always guaranteed that, that, that you will have access or understand exactly where your field is or where your land was. So simple blockchaining techniques will, will, will protect and ensure people's access and ability to prove ownership um, of the land in, in, in for, for generations to come. Yeah. So we definitely – at that, and there's some pretty neat technology around um, where you can literally walk around the guy's field, um, and it's got a printer, and you can print out the GPS yeah. coordinates of the field. You can print out the size of the field, where it is, and the owner. So the owner can sign with the chief as a kind yes. of a, a legal document, and then that's stored. That's stored in the cloud. So even in rural and remote areas, um, that's starting to have an impact potentially. No, absolutely, and and that's an immutable record, and it's quite interesting because I think there are a couple of I think it's Estonia who's actually the government itself is actually using blockchain to verify assets um, amongst the citizens citizenry. I didn't say that word very well, but amongst its citizens. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very interesting one, and 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 also the blockchain in terms of verifying the the process that food goes through because if i'm selling you know you talk about the chilies and now we're supplying chilies to tabasco and say sainsbury's in the uk 
um, and I want to verify where those chilies came from. Blockchain technology should be able to do that as well. Hey, are you looking at that? Absolutely. We're looking at a number of technologies and we're starting to, to, to see which is appropriate for, for certain uses. Okay, so so this is just the beginning. I mean, you stumbled into this because you're a farmer, um, and, and in fact, how how is Zimbabwe in in terms of the farming community beyond just the rural sustenance? Is 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 the is the is the farming regenerating itself? Because you're a Zimba, and most Zimbos I've met are, are quite naughty oaks. Um, you, you're quite respectable, but you know, they, they, I'm, I'm always nervous when I meet a Zimba in a pub. No, Michael. Yeah, that's that's very unfair of you. Uh, <laughs> you're, dealing, you're dealing with the minorities now. Oh, uh, so really? With me, unsubstantiated claim. Uh, <laughs> that, all I do the... know, all I all I all I will say is is that uh, I think uh, I think Zimbabwe's future, a lot of Zimbabwe's future recovery is agriculturally based. There's no two ways about it. For sure. You know, agriculture. If they if they resuscitate agriculture at all levels, at all forms, small scale and commercial, in whatever form. It's really what's going to get the economy and employment and 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 things going again. Yeah. Um, so it's critical. I, I think you know. I think international people and people in Zimbabwe are are aware of that. No, absolutely. And, and I just wanted to. Yeah. I just wanted to say something really, really cool. It's a, it's a kind of a left field comment, but yeah. This is a futurology program, and you were talking about connecting people with food. So um, our Dutch partners. The technical guys got approached by a, a, a large um, food chain, and they also have kind of um, bistros and restaurants. And yes. they said, "Listen, this platform is amazing, you know, and we we now can have digital menus uh, in the restaurants. And what we would love to do is to connect the diners with the food source." Oh no, that's beautiful, so, man! So you, yeah, so you know, hey, you know, there's a bottle of chili or a bottle of whatever on the table or your, 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 where your food's coming from, you can then log on to your platform and actually go back and see the family that grew your food in Africa. It's possible. And so we've had some kind of strange requests for people who said, listen, it's pretty powerful. It's one of the most primeval things connecting us back to our food, yeah. where the food from, because people are curious in Europe. You, know, you spend your whole life in a big city, milk comes from the shop and bread comes from the shop, and that's it, in a bottle, you know, in a bag. No, exactly. So people – this whole sort of movement back to back to our roots and where stuff came from, data and digital age able to do that. I mean, it sounds quite romantic and, and, and impossible, but we've actually have started to have requests of people with restaurants and food businesses saying, hey, this is super cool. I want to use it right at the end in the restaurant at night. Hey, look at this. This is where your food's produced from in the middle of Mozambique. This is how it got here to you, and this is all the goodness that evolved with it. And this is the difference that it's making to people's lives, you know, by you buying this. No, totally. But, but, just, to, but, but just to take it from sort of rural Africa to the tables and, 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 and consumers and retailers of Europe and America, it's possible, you know. But, but surely that's a, a funding model as well because you, you can build an application that says, okay, you're, so, you're now supporting this rural farmer, contribute, um, say, $1, which, is, which converts into quite a lot of cash. And suddenly, you know, each farmer suddenly gets a little bit of extra cash to actually go buy those seeds that they really need. Absolutely. And that, that's, you know, when people are aware, I think it's empowering. You know, it's empowering all around. You know? No, totally. And, and just, just one question about this, this use of data. Have you found that it's, it's changed the educational framework of the farmers, of the, of the sustenance farmers? I think, I think it's the advice and the training that we're able to give um, along with the, the people that we're working with 
is really critical because um, the rural guys also need the training. They need the input to produce more. You know, in, in a smaller way, it's no different to commercial agriculture. They're under they're under the pump to produce more, produce more effectively, and and and, and to survive off small pieces of land. So it's it's pretty tough for them as well. You know, they're faced with a, with a hell of a lot of challenges. Yeah, uh, and and I'm sure it's, there's some very very uncomfortable challenges. Um, and and uh, rural areas or remote areas. I mean, I, I just think of our oceans. Do you, do you see potential farming? You know, using data in in in, in oceans. Uh, I mean, it's a bit of an abstract thought. Not at all. It's already happening. Uh, we've yeah. bumped into people are bumped into people that are producing massive uh, seaweed farms for for biodiesel, um, fish farming, all kinds of really really interesting stuff. Uh, yeah. No, that, that that's absolutely fantastic. I've I've got the 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 WhatsApp stream going here, and I've got both Brett and Brett listening, and I'm getting distracted with all these questions. So it, it's 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 a bit confusing. <laughs> but this has just been the most fascinating chat, and and we we've done some talks around farming in the past on the Futurology show. So please go and download those podcasts as well, Stephen. I think what we do need to look at is is having you in on 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 a more detailed conversation around some specific areas, because I think what we've done here is really just scratched the tip of the iceberg around what is possible the potential of of farming because it's at the it's it's one of those seed industries that has the impact on on us on on a daily basis it impacts our supply chains it impacts our retail environments it impacts absolutely everything that we touch and do every day and and big changes and and using data technology and innovation in this in this realm has a massive impact potentially on, on us as human beings, which becomes incredibly exciting. Um, but it just almost seems to be the, the, the quiet subject. No one talks about this stuff. Um, and the more I've looked at it, the more blown away I've actually become because I've never really thought about it. I'm so busy looking at the new fancy technologies or the latest apps or what 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 has Apple just released, which is quite immaterial in the scheme of things here. Um, well, it's not immaterial. I think it's just... It's just the world we live in, and, and that that food production is is is, is uh, as you said, Maslow's basic pyramid. Um, it's 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 where we how we survive and how we evolve. So data data and technology is having a huge impact, both at a rural level and a commercial level, Michael. And no, I think absolutely that's what's exciting, and I think evolution of food production and the way, way we are going to survive is by using technology and data. I mean, it's a simple thing to say, but but it's essential. It's absolutely essential. And just just in terms of of next steps, what 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 additional uh, data a- applications? Because you've obviously got a baseline now. Where, where do you see the next data revolutions coming in terms of just your platform itself? Um, I think we'd like to look at trading platforms and allow the farmers to interact. So again, with smartphones and becoming more affordable, letting farmers make decisions and letting farmers access markets and access um, um, different trading trading opportunities. Um, there's uh, a couple of groups called We Farm, We Chat, Farm Chat, where yeah. they, there's kind of support groups on 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 WhatsApp and and and, and SMS groups, where people in a in a regional community will post pose a question on it, and uh, farmers and farmers around the region are having the same problems, you know, like the recent army worm problem outbreak. Yes. People know what to do, so it's social media is driven as well. We're starting to look at that side of it. Where you enable communities and empower them to to start to help themselves and communicate, 
it's pretty exciting stuff, Michael. No, I, I think it's incredibly exciting stuff. And I, uh, I think it, it, just looking at the broader ecosystem and just us as futurology hosts, I think we need to sit down and have a, a broader chat to you about it. But just, just to remind everyone, I mean, I'm chatting to Stephen Wormald who, who does, uh, data farming effectively or supports through data farming. And he runs a business called the Better Trading Company, which is really about, it's a for-profit business because, you know, it's life, you got to, you got to make money. Otherwise, things don't work, and your mindset is also a proactive approach, and you dependent on yourself. So I think that's a good thing. Um, and, and it's really how do you become an ethical agent and, and supply these organizations the value and also provide value to the consumer through quality products. So I, I love what you're doing, Stephen, and I think it's an absolutely brilliant um, structure and strategy that you guys have put into place. Have you got any final comments or thoughts before we close off here? No, I just think your point about your what is the definition of sustainability, Michael? You know, it's a very interesting word. Yeah, um, and I think that's the key. You know, sustainability of food production, and it's a, that that is a, just a really, really interesting question. I'd like to leave people thinking about because it's once you go into it, you can kind of wander around in any direction, and, and it's really interesting where you end up. Sustainability is not just financially based. You know, it's uh, environmentally based, community based on an, an economic level, political level, Absolutely. and how we of all the societies and communities no uh, absolutely and i think it's a great point it, and and you know what really to close off on 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 the food side of thing it was mary antoinette that said let them eat cake and we see what happened there so this needs to be sorted out and and, and addressed as as a as a pretty serious and 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 um, political solution going forward and I, I think the frameworks are there and what what people like you are doing um certainly adds and contributes that so Stephen, thank you so much for joining me for the last hour uh, I, I had about 50 questions and I've gone through about 10 of them. So you are coming back. Not at all, Michael. Um, yeah, just very big thank you for having me on the show. Um, proudly African, wanting to make a difference in Africa at, at all levels. And Kadana Developments Partners in Rotterdam, they're also super smart people. Um, they're pretty awesome. So very lucky to have the partners and, and the people we're working with. Fantastic. Stephen, thank you so much. And just to wrap up here um, before we actually close off, we've got some very interesting shows coming up. Uh, we're going back to blockchain. We've got Vinnie Lingham coming up uh, in one of the podcasts, uh, future podcasts. We've got Brett Lobster talking about uh, digital wallets. We've got Lee Knight coming up. So, so there's some great uh, conversations coming up. We've got Jamie Whitaker from Discovery CTO talking about leadership. So we've got some really exciting stuff coming up. So I'd like to thank everyone for joining us for the last hour. And Stephen, thank you. And and happy farming, man. Thank you very much, Michael. Cool. Thanks, guys. Cliff Central Revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.